Welcome to the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Hello, how are you doing? This is O.J. Tokes here. Just want to welcome you again to another edition of The While. You are single podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. I hope the podcast has been a blessing to you. And I hope that you have been sharing with your friends as well. If you happen to be in the Houston Sugarland area on April the 13th, I would like to extend an invitation to you to join us for our next While You Are Single service. We are going to be having a panel discussion on marriage and relationships. We're going to have a panel of married couples who will be answering any questions you have about marriage and relationships. So it's going to be a great time. Hope you can bring a friend and join us. It's going to be on April the 13th, 8 p.m. at Sweetwater Church. The address is 1730 Williams Trace Boulevard, Sugarland, Texas, 77478. For more information, address, please go to our website, Wild. You are single.org. Hope I can see you there. We're going to have a great time. So again, we're going to have a panel discussion. We're going to have couples answering your questions. Well, without further ado, this week, I'll be sharing with you what I discussed about fatal attraction on one of our while you're a single events. Fatal attraction. Check it out. Hope you enjoy. Heavenly Father God, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for every single person here. We ask that you open our hearts to heed your word, open our ears to hear your word, open our eyes to perceive your word, open our minds to understand the scripture. Show us great and mighty things that we do not know and help us apply these things into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Some of you have probably heard of a research that was done by some male and female researchers. They were trying to figure out how to describe computers. The male researchers said computers should be described as female. The female researchers said no, computers should be described as male. The male researchers gave three reasons why computers should be described as female. Number one, nobody understands their internal logic except their maker. Number two, even small mistakes are stored for long-term memory. Number three, the minute you invest in one, you spend half of your paycheck buying accessories. (laughs) The female researchers gave a counter-argument and said, no, computers should be described as male. And they gave three reasons why. Number one, the only way you can get their attention is to turn them on. Number two, they are supposed to fix problems, but half the time they are the problem. And number three, the minute you invest in one, you discover that had you waited a little bit longer, you will have gotten a better model. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, 
we are talking about fatal attraction. I looked up the words fatal and attraction. What I discovered about the word fatal, it means something that is deadly or capable of causing death, destruction, misfortune, ruin, and failure. If uh, something is fatal, if it's deadly, capable of causing death, destruction, misfortune, ruin, or failure. I looked up the word attraction. Attraction means a person or thing that draws, attracts, allures, or entices. A person or thing that draws, attracts, allures, or entices. Another definition of an attraction is a characteristic or quality that provides pleasure. Okay? So when you put the words fatal and attraction together, therefore, if fatal attraction is a person or thing that draws, attracts, allures, entices, and is deadly or capable of causing death, destruction, misfortune, ruin, or failure. Or if fatal attraction is a personal thing that provides pleasure and is deadly or capable of causing death, destruction, misfortune, ruin, or failure. Something that fits that definition is lust. Lust. We're going to go to first to the book of James, chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. James 1, 14 to 15. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. And it says, but every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire. In parentheses, it says lust, passions. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Lust has been described as an overwhelming desire, over-desire. Typically, lust is an evil desire, okay? Not only that, the verse says we are tempted when we are drawn by our own lust. We all have lust. We all have lust, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. We all have lust in our flesh or our human nature. But the issue is not that we have lust. The issue arises when lust has us. Okay? We are all going to be drawn to something or someone. Nothing wrong with that. The issue arises when we are not just drawn to something or someone, we are drawn away. The verse says we are tempted not when we are drawn, but when we are drawn away. That's when the issue arises. We're drawn away from the word drawn away from who God called us to be, drawn away from our purposes, drawn away from our responsibilities, that's when the problem happens. 
And when lust happens, I like to say that we indulge or fall into fatal attractions in three levels. L-S-D. L-S-D. It says lust gives birth to death. I'm sorry. Lust gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. L-S-D. That's the process that lust takes us through. Lust, sin, death. Give you uh, two examples of that. I believe Tim mentioned it earlier, Adam and Eve. Satan came to Eve and took advantage of the lust of the eyes with the tree that they were not supposed to mess with. She looked at the tree first and looked at the fruit and saw that it was good for food. So that lust drew her away from what God told them. Then led she and her husband to sin, which led to their death. Because God had told them that if you eat from this uh, tree, if you eat the fruit from this tree, you will surely die. Now, more often than not, we think of death. What we think of as death is really the end of death. Over the years, it has come to my understanding that death is really a systematic breakdown of an organism or an organization until it ceases to exist. Let me say that again. It has come to my understanding that death is a systematic breakdown of an organism or an organization until it ceases to exist. The truth is the minute we are born, we begin to die. Systematic over time. Adam and Eve. They died spiritually, but over time, they will begin to die earlier. Usually in the past, they were living up to a thousand years, but now we barely make 80 or 90 or something like that. So death is systematic, it's gradual, it's not imminent, okay? Another example is David and Bathsheba. If you read the story of how that happened, the Bible talks about how when kings... We're at war. David was on his rooftop, peeping like Tom at Bathsheba. So lust drew him away from where he was supposed to be, fighting a war, fulfilling his responsibility as a king, and drew him to the rooftop. Then the next level, he sinned with Bathsheba. Then the next level, death, take your pick. Her husband died because of that episode. The child that was conceived from that episode died. Or sub subsequent generations after David were dying off because of that one incident, lust, sin, death. Having said all of that, if somebody asked, what does lust look like? If I encounter, if lust was a person, what does it look like? How can I picture an encounter with lust? I will take you to a story that I'm going to focus most of my attention tonight. And the story is the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. Delilah has many meanings. One of the meanings of Delilah is lustful. Lustful. 
So if you want to see a picture of what lust does to you, look at Samson and Delilah's interaction and you get a picture of what lust does to you and I and how it gets us into fatal relationships and fatal attractions. So we're going to travel to the book of Judges, chapter 13. Before I proceed, I just want to give a quick background of the story. I'm going to take bits and pieces of the story to expand on what I'm sharing tonight. But Samson had a dad. His name was Manoah. Manoah and his wife, they were unable to have children. They've been praying about children, and an angel now showed up to Manoah's wife and told her, you're going to have a child. He's going to be a Nazarite from the womb. Um, Don't cut his hair. Do not drink any strong drink. Don't touch anything unclean. Then the angel left. Manoah's wife was ecstatic. She was freaked out by the incident. Her husband wasn't there, so she ran to tell her husband what happened. And the husband was hoping the angel would show up again so that he can see for himself. The angel showed up again, and I'm going to continue with the story here. So in Judges, chapter 13, verse 5, the first time the angel showed up, he speaks to Manoah's wife. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. Then the second time the angel showed up, He said, the angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, talking about wine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, alcohol, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Now, a Nazarite is someone that God has called from the womb, dedicated to God. They don't drink strong drink. They don't cut their hair. They don't touch anything unclean. That's what basically a Nazarite is. It's my understanding that the word Nazarite is derived from the Hebrew word Nazar, which means to be set apart. It means to be consecrated, okay? And uh, that's who Samson was, from the womb. Another example of a Nazarite is John the Baptist, from the womb. Because you see, this is very important because we understand if somebody is indulging in fatal attractions who was never in church, who never knew God, they didn't know any better. This dude was anointed from the womb. From the womb. A lot of us had to grow up to learn about God and stuff. This dude, before he came out of the womb, he was anointed, he was called, he was set apart for God. Okay, have that in mind. Reading right along, Samson has grown up a little bit. So let's go to... I'm going to read from Judges chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Judges 14, 1 to 4, it says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Everybody say, level one. Level one. one. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen, everybody say lust of the eyes. I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. How many of you have ever gone somewhere like, oh, I know he's the one. She's the one. I know. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people 
must you go to the uncircumcised, everybody say uncircumcised, Philistines to get a wife. Look at our anointed man's response. But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She is the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. Okay, let's kind of slice, slice and dice that a little bit, okay? Usually, the reason why we fall into fatal attractions, fatal relationships, is because of two major factors. Number one, a person. Number two, a place. Number one, a person. Number two, a place. Either you meet someone who takes you to that place where you indulge in your fatal attractions, or you go to a place where you meet the person who makes you indulge in your fatal attractions. So Samson, in this case, he went to Timnah, where it's in the Philistine territory. The Philistines were the enemy of the Israelites. They were ruling over the Israelites at the time. And Samson was sort of a deliverer that God raised up. And before the movies and stuff came out, Samson probably was the first to sleep with the enemy. So here he is. He goes to enemy territory and he sees a woman there and he wants to marry her. And his parents had reservations because they said, can't you find a woman among our people? Let me explain that among our people meant among the Israelite people. In the Old Testament, understand this, this is Old Testament context here, okay? The Israelites were the children of God. All other nations were not, okay? So God told them to matter within the Israelite community because, you know, they believe in God. He didn't want them to mix with people from other ethnicity, ethnicities, other nations, because they would turn them away from God, okay? That was the issue. It wasn't just because they were foreigners to Israel. The issue was that all other nations worshipped other gods and they would get the children of Israel to get into their ungodly and paganistic practices. God wanted to avoid that from happening, so he told his children to marry within the Israelite community. There were some exceptions like Boaz and Ruth because Ruth didn't turn Boaz from God. In fact, Ruth became part of the Israelite community. There's Zipporah and Moses, but Zipporah didn't turn Moses away from God. There's Joseph and Asenath, but Asenath didn't turn Joseph away from God, okay? But the general consensus was the Israelites were supposed to marry within their people. How does it apply to us today? You marry within the Christian community, okay? And of course, I'm not saying you just marry any Christian. You know, we're just reading about this guy who's anointed called Samson who's messing up. That's not the kind of person I'm telling you to, to connect with just because they are Christian. I'm encouraging everyone to, to connect with someone who is Christ-like, okay, who bears fruit. Nevertheless, his parents had reservations, but he said, no, I want her, okay? So I want to address this real quick. The scripture says the parents did not know that God was using that to get Samson to begin to deal with the Philistine. Now, this is one of those verses that anyone and a lot of people have misunderstood and assumed that they can take this and do whatever they want. Too many of us have shot ourselves in the foot 
guarding ourselves in detrimental situations in the name of, I know God wanted to save them. <laughs> you know, God used me. I just want to minister to them. But God didn't call you to minister under the sheets to them as well. I, I got them saved and people, you know, God was using this for, for to get, you know, Samson to deal with the Philistines. It does not mean that God was in agreement with what Samson was doing with the woman. The, the, the verse that says that God makes all, um, turns all things that was meant for evil for good is very powerful. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God doesn't waste anything. God uses every tragedy for his good. It does not mean that he wanted a tragedy to happen. However, he knows ahead of time what's going to happen, and he's already set things in motion to use that situation for our good. I just want to address that. This is not a license to say, well, I read in the scripture, this anointed guy, he, he, he went to the world and got a hookup. I said, nah, that's not why, how we should think, okay? So, everybody say level one. Okay, reading right along. Some of you heard the story of Samson killed the lion, okay? I'm skipping that story, but I'm coming here so that you guys are like, what is he talking about, okay? So in Judges 14, 8, 9, sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he hasn't married the lady yet, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, or dead body. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass or dead body. Why do you think Samson didn't tell his parents where he got the honey from? Thank you. He's a Nazarite. My point is, I'm trying to build a story here. Nobody just wakes up in the morning and falls into a fiddle attraction or fiddle relationship. It is systematic. It's gradual. Lust doesn't just hit you, bam, like that. It's subtle. It takes its time to set you up. He's already messing up already. Boom, the wrong girl. Boom, the wrong actions. He's eating from an unclean animal. Let me go to Leviticus 11.27 where he talks about things like this. Again, this is the Old Testament context, okay? Of the animals that walk on all fours, Leviticus 11.27, it says, Of the animals that walk on all fours, the lions walk, walk on all fours? The lions walk on all fours? Yeah. Those that have pores are unclean. Do lions have pores? Okay. If you touch the carcass, just touch it. Of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. So not only did Samson defile himself, he defiled his parents. Fatal attraction is not only deadly to the person involved in the attraction, it could be deadly to people close to him or her. So here is Samson already messing up, okay? Moving right along. We go to Judges 15, 20. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Then, Judges 16, 1, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Okay, let's dice these two verses. <laughs> the first one, 
Samson led Israel for 20 years in the time of the Philistines. Store that information somewhere in your head, okay? Just I want you to store it somewhere because we're coming back to it. It's irrelevant to something I'm, I want to address tonight. Just store it somewhere in your head. This is before any other thing you've heard about Samson. We're told that he ruled for 20 years, okay? Then in 16 verse 1, the Bible says, Samson went to Gaza. Everybody say Gaza. Gaza. And he saw a prostitute there and the... NIV translation says he spent time with her that night. Trust me, he didn't spend time holding hands with her. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. They didn't like sit down and talk about the moon and the stars and stuff like that. No, that's not what he went in there. All the translation tell you straight up, he went in to sleep with her. Okay, just in case, you know, some people might not know what this is, but I just wanted to make it crystal clear. Everybody say level two. Level, two. level one. He went to Timnah, he saw a young Philistine woman. At least he tried to do something right, marry her. And some of you might be wondering, whatever happened to that? It didn't work out. It's a long story. Read the book of Judges. Some of you have probably never heard of Judges before. <laughs> Here's your opportunity. Oh, Bible is boring. No, read it. I'll save you the trouble. Read from uh, Judges 13 to 16. Just three chapters about Samson, okay, to get the whole story. Things didn't work out about that, you know. I'm not really addressing that right now, but things didn't work out. At least he tried to marry her. This one, he didn't try to marry her. He just went straight up and slept with her. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you were informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.